Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival. Presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean. Keith Urban. Jelly Roll. Old Dominion. Lady A. Riley Green. Ashley McBride. Brothers Osborne. Walker Hayes. All hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th. Stream only on Hulu. Starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. Up next, Luna talks with Anna Paulina Luna, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. The left has overtaken the culture, erasing God from public life and making religious faith a taboo subject. But the power of faith isn't so easily extinguished. Today, I shine a much-needed light on why we need God and prayer, now more than ever. This is Luna Talks with Anna Paulina. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to today's episode of Luna Talks with me, your host, Anna Paulina Luna. I wanted to kind of shift a little bit and focus more on what we can do as a nation, specifically those who are faith-based. And I wanted to do that because if you've noticed what's happened over the last couple of years, specifically starting in 2016, you saw this massive, massive push within the evangelical movement, specifically getting political for one of the first times in a very long time. And then you saw in 2020 that really the mainstream media, I remember starting to hear articles on NPR. I remember starting to hear articles on various different news outlets starting to target the evangelical base, saying that. If you were evangelical, if you believed in Christian, that it was not the Christian thing to do in regards to illegal immigration. And if you believed in border security, if you believed in wanting legal immigration, that you apparently weren't, quote unquote, following you know Jesus's teachings, which could not be farther from the truth. I think that if you look at Christianity and you look at the Bible and especially you know what the Bible represents, it's it's a code of conduct, it's morality, it's a guideline on how to live a good and just life. Now, what you're really seeing, though, is that there's this massive push, and there's been a massive push really starting in the late 60s, merging into the 70s, to remove God from government and to remove God from the discussion of society. And that's interesting because you have things like the Founder's Bible, which is an amazing version of the Bible that I actually was able to get my husband for Christmas last year. And what it does is it outlines the founding principles of this country and it outlines the founders' personal lives and talks about how their faith played a role 
in the construction of the new America, in the construction of the Constitution. Everything from how the Constitution was written to their personal lives to what happened, you know, in 1776, it all had a foundation and it all stemmed back to Christianity. So as we're looking at what's happening now in our current society, you see a lot of chaos. And I recently had posted this past weekend that how can you begin to understand the root of chaos unless you truly understand the battle of good and evil and essentially God and Satan? And I think a lot of people, you say that and they get freaked out about it. Maybe it's because as conservatives, we don't do a good enough job talking about it, right? But I think that that ultimately needs to be more of a topic of discussion. And so I wanted to bring on someone. His name is Sam Clovis. Sam has an incredible story. He actually was an advisor for President Trump. Actually, President Trump actually ended up calling him and basically recruiting him to work on the 2016 election cycle. But I wanted to bring on Sam because Sam has not only a unique story in the fact that, yes, he worked with President Trump, but he also has, as an evangelical, a really good I think, grounding in what we can do to really get out the faith vote. And then also to, I think, whereas Christians, we've kind of fallen a little bit short in using our platforms and or getting more involved to vote on your values, not just voting political party lines. And I say that because no politician is perfect. I think that that is evident, right? We're all human. Humans are flawed. But when you're voting based on your convictions and you're voting based on your moral principles, you're never going to let yourself down. And it's interesting that if you look at history here in the United States, after you see this real push to remove God from society, whether it's through the education system or you know out of Hollywood, what you really see is this decline. Um, you see an increase in incarceration rates. You see an increase in imprisonment. You see an increase in fatherless homes, which creates a cycle of poverty. That's something I've addressed in previous episodes. But what we're also seeing is that the church itself has become weak. So instead of adhering to what I think biblical values are, they start to water down what the true, I think, root of Christianity is. And it's interesting that this push and this movement does also coincide with a lot of social movements that we're seeing, whether it's organizations like BLM that are inherently Marxist you look at what they do and they want to remove the nuclear family. And why do they do that? Because the nuclear family is the backbone of America. But what you see in many communist countries, whether it's China or whether it was a former Soviet Union, the first thing that they did was targeted the churches. They outlawed religion. They wanted to replace religion with government and then inherently make those people so dependent on government that they couldn't resist, that they had no backbone to their country anymore. And that's ultimately how communism works. So is it by mistake or by design that after the 1963 Congressional Archive submissions of the communist goals and objectives that we start to see this shift here in the United States? And so I do think that we're looking at the long-term impacts of what has happened over the last, you know, 20, 30, 40 years of this plan to essentially turn our country into a communist country. And then you get into, you know, what's happening in Afghanistan. I know a lot of people this week, I know I've been one of them. It's really, really hard to see what's happening after so many of our own, you know, family members, our own friends sacrificed so much in Afghanistan. I mean, for God's sakes, you literally had Andy, who is my husband, who was shot. He could have died over there. He was shot by Taliban. And then you have Taliban essentially on this year's anniversary of 9-11 will be essentially up armored 
with military equipment. That pullout did not have to happen that way. It was completely terrible leadership, not just at the administration level, but at the military leadership level. You have the military pushing critical race theory and being woke and not focused on military strategy, which is why we're in the situation that we're in today. But I bring that up because what the Taliban is, is they are radicalized extremists and they are fighting the long-term plan, which is to essentially eradicate the United States. They are fighting against Christianity. They believe that their extremism is the only way to get into heaven, and it's the farthest thing from the truth. And so if you look at what's happening here in the United States with us morally, and then you look at the polar opposite of what's happening in a nation that's literally, they don't want the United States, they don't want the West culture to come anywhere near Afghanistan and you see the end results and it's just, it's complete chaos. So I wanted to focus this back on really how we can stop that from not just happening here, but also bring someone in who has a solution. And so we'll be right back after this short break with Sam Clovis. He's again, very, very special guest that we were looking forward to having on today. Stay tuned and we'll be right back. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival, presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean, Keith Urban, Jelly Roll, Old Dominion, Lady A, Riley Green, Ashley McBride, Brothers Osborne, Walker Hayes, all hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th, stream only on Hulu, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of Luna Talks. I have a very special guest with me right now. His name is Sam Clovis. Sam, thank you so much for joining the Luna Talks family. Um, If you can, real quick, please tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you had done some work with the Trump administration, but please, the floor is yours. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it, Anna, and uh, it's great to be on with you today. Um, I was raised in Kansas, so had the uh, great fortune of going to the United States Air Force Academy and uh, graduated there with a a Bachelor of Science degree in political science and then um, uh, flew for 25 years in the Air Force. Uh, went into the business world, uh, was relatively successful there, uh, decided that I wanted to get out of the corporate rat race, and I uh, became a college professor. And uh, then I went to back to work in the industry for a couple of years and was a fellow at the uh, Homeland Security Institute and worked for Booz Allen, Northrop Grumman. And then I uh, settled in in um, uh, Northwest Iowa. Uh, as a professor at Morningside College, um, and then uh, decided that uh, I needed to get into talk radio. And I uh, did a side gig of uh, talk radio for about three and a half years. It got me involved in politics, and I ran for the United States Senate, uh, came in second to uh, Joni Ernst from Iowa, who became our senator. And uh, then subsequently, uh, 
uh, got a lot of recognition for that. And um, then uh, was plucked off the campus by uh, Donald Trump and uh, uh, worked. I was the national co-chair and chief policy advisor to the campaign in 2016, uh, was a policy director during the transition and served as a senior White House advisor at the uh, Department of Agriculture after inauguration. So that uh, that kind of brings me up to here. Then I came home, got deathly ill, spent two years in the hospital, and uh, subsequently have just sprung myself out last March. And uh, uh, with God's great blessing and intervention, um, I'm uh, I'm making a lot of progress, and uh, and I'm doing great. Well, we're glad that you're okay. And actually, that was my second question is how did you get involved in the Trump administration? Because so many people, I mean, talk about one of the most historic and amazing and energetic elections in U.S. history. You were there from the beginning. I mean, how did that conversation go? Well, I I, uh, had started uh, originally. uh, uh, He wanted me to come on board in May of 2015. And I had promised Rick Perry that I would uh, work for him if he got involved in the campaign. Rick's campaign lasted 63 days. But during that whole time, uh, uh, the Trump people kept uh, pestering me and uh, saying, (laughs) hey, when are you going to come on board? And then uh, when uh, Rick's campaign stopped, uh, uh, I got that phone call from New York and it was uh, uh, Donald Trump himself. And he said, you're not going to tell me no again. And I said, I wouldn't. <laughs> and so I, that's how he just plucked me off the campus. And uh, uh, it, it was amazing. All the way up through March of 2016, there were really only a handful of people there running the, the uh, national campaign. And it wasn't until much later that we finally uh, built up the the campaign. I was kind of, after March, uh, I became like John the Baptist. I was out there doing all of the, uh, the front work with all of the organizations and donors and voters and uh, just a remarkable experience and um, a once in a lifetime thing. You know, it's interesting you bring up John the Baptist and to kind of, I guess, segue. And by the way, I mean, the level of coordination skills that you probably have to have to do what you did is unparalleled. I know that I, like just even... Working on one state alone, I mean, I ran for Congress and just a congressional race. I could not imagine a presidential. But, you know, what I noticed is there was such a movement within the evangelical vote for President Trump. And I think that in 2016, had that movement not been there, I think that that really carried him through the election because that was a national movement. But it's interesting to me because what I'm seeing now, and I think what a lot of people are noticing is that there are a lot of pastors and faith leaders that are basically saying that they should not get involved in politics. And I wanted to see kind of what your opinion is, because in my opinion, you know, politics is part of your moral value system. It does overlap. And if you don't vote on your morals, then what are you voting for? I, I think you're absolutely right, and I I would like to see the uh, reinitiation of the Black Rope Brigade that was there at the founding. I I happen to have it at home. I have five volumes of prayers and sermons that were delivered in that period of the eighteen or seventeen sixty up through about eighteen ten, and uh, it's just remarkable to see the courage of those pastors as they stood there and, and helped create a nation. I think the, that our pastors today have the same obligation 
And I think there's nothing wrong with a pastor standing up and saying, vote the Bible. And if you vote the Bible, there's no question about what you're going to do. You're going to vote for life. If life is, is the fundamental and primary issue that, that every evangelical should embrace, and if you have a candidate that is not pro-life, then you probably are dealing with uh, something that you're not comfortable with, and you're really not uh, voting the biblical values that are there. I think pastors have an obligation to stand up and say those things. And I think they have an obligation to talk about uh, uh, being frugal with our money. They have an obligation to talk about where they send our young men and women uh, to uh, uh, defend this nation and our national interest. And I think that there are a lot of these things that, that I don't see many pastors that have that kind of courage. And there's nothing wrong. I think that even if you take a look at the law and, and the protection of their uh, non, uh, nonprofit status, tax-exempt status, there's nothing in there that says you can't preach the Bible and that you can't ask people to vote the Bible. And I think that's what they ought to be doing. It's really interesting that you bring that up, especially on the pro-life front, because I was actually just recently, probably a couple of months ago, at the Florida Faith and Freedom Conference. And there was some pastors there that were especially doing and focusing on Hispanic outreach and the Spanish speaking demographic here in the United States, which if for, if you guys don't know this, the Hispanic demographic is very, very conservative because a lot of our cultural values are based on Catholicism and or Christianity. So after the conference, I had a reporter reach out and she was talking to me about where I have been able to really, I think, move the mark on national Hispanic outreach. And she had interviewed a pastor and this was a Spanish speaking pastor. And he was saying, well, you know, actual values of Hispanics and Hispanic Americans actually more align with de the Democrat value system, because if you can look past abortion and I, and I told her, I was like, wait, hold on as a pastor. If you are saying, if you can look past abortion, I don't think that you're going to the same, you know, Christian uh, pastor schools that most people will go to. Right. No. I, I, you're absolutely right, Anna. I think that the uh, life is the first and fundamental issue that we that we deal with. And uh, I, I just um, I'm helping uh, uh, some people uh, out here in the Midwest in the Plains with uh, some of their campaigns coming up in 21 and 22. and uh, this is really uh, front and center for all of us. Um, we we really uh, adhere strongly to this notion that that life is the first test, and if you if you can't pass that test, then there's probably no reason to to continue on. And uh, it, and I think that's a biblical value that that we really should look at. And I think the pastors ought to really. Uh, stand up for that, and and if you and you're right, if you have a pastor who says you can look past life, I I, I really question that person and and their congregation. Now I will say this: there are many congregations out there, and, and particularly in the super churches, uh, where you run into uh, a lot of this uh, bending the reed to the left, and I and I really uh, find it interesting that in order to satisfy um, this have this utilitarian view that you have to do the best for the most um, 
that's really not the issue because there are absolutes and the absolute is first absolute is life. And I think after that, then uh, there are others and, and uh, to vote biblical values is, is uh, really worthy evangelicals. And I'm an evangelical. That's where we ought to be. Yeah, that's what I say is if you vote based on your values, you'll never be let down because people are not perfect. Not one politician is perfect. And so don't put all your faith in them, put your faith in God. And I think you'll be led uh, the correct way. So we're going to cut real quick to commercial break. Everyone sit tight. I have some more questions for you. We'll be right back after this short break. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival, presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean, Keith Urban, Jelly Roll, Old Dominion, Lady A, Riley Green, Ashley McBride, Brothers Osborne, Walker Hayes, all hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th, stream only on Hulu, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. As we transition, I wanted to ask you, I grew up saying the Pledge of Allegiance, and I remember sitting there every morning. It wasn't a big deal. Everyone did it. It wasn't that we were, you know, targeting or making people feel uncomfortable. We just did it. I'm old enough to remember when people started saying that the word God was offensive in the Pledge of Allegiance. And it's interesting because you bring up the founding and what our founding fathers believed in and I have something called the founder's Bible. And it has a lot of American history woven into scripture as well. And it talks about how the reason why we have the type of country that we do is because our founding fathers genuinely believed in God. And when they wrote the Pledge of Allegiance and the reason why we say it, I think has a lot of historical significance, not just religious, but it's interesting to see that the left has, and at least definitely over the last 20 years, gone increasingly more aggressive in removing God from the conversation. And the reason I find that alarming is because, again, going back to morals and society, when you remove God from the conversation, how do you think that that's impacting society currently? I think it's a, it's a horrible issue. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I address the, there are four pillars of American strength. And um, the first is individual liberty, the uh, exercise of free will. And liberty to me is a bigger word than freedom. And then, and then from that, from that individual, we then have the traditional nuclear family. That, to me, is a societal building block. That's where the first part of education takes place. That's where our social norms are. That's where we socialize gender identity. That's where we go through a lot of that other part. The, the third issue there, the third pillar, is, is the, the primacy of religion. God must be first. If you have a, if you believe in individual liberty and you are part of a traditional nuclear family, then you must put God first in that. 
And that then comes to the fourth pillar, and that's voluntary association in community. And those are the strengths of America. And if it is the, you know, we can go back and look at, at de Tocqueville. And de Tocqueville said in the 1830s when he wrote the, uh, that, that wonderful uh, uh, magnum opus that he did about the, the, the whole issue that, that fundamental to America was its belief in God. Look at the, at the, the way we migrated across the country. Take a look at how we, we settled the country. Take a look at where we had the strength of the Catholic Church and the Hispanics that settled much of the, of the Southwest and the West of the United States. Take a look at the impact that religion had on our founding. And I think as, as we lose that, I think it is a deliberate and intentional act on the part of the left to take God out of things because if God is gone, they can break down those other institutions. And then the only thing to substitute for God is government. And we have many pastors today out there that think that, that government is the left hand of God and they're it's deeply not. mistaken. Yeah, it's not. I was interesting. I remember reading a documentary about what happened with the church in St. Petersburg in Russia when right. the Communist Party took over and they went into a lot of these churches and they created these science centers because part of what the communists wanted was, again, that removal of God, because that is really the backbone to the nuclear family. And if you have a strong nuclear family, you have a strong country that could lead to opposition right. to a lot of these policies that the communists were bringing forward. And, you know, it's interesting because you look at organizations like BLM and they literally say that they want to attack the nuclear family, that they don't support that. And part of the 1963 communist goals and objectives from that were submitted to the Congressional Archives, they list out how they want government to replace family and essentially God. So it's yeah. very, very unique that, I mean, there is such, I think, a motive here to remove that. But I mean, you nailed it right on the head. I couldn't have said it any better. Um, you know, what we're seeing now, especially is faith leaders are being quiet and they're being very, very quiet. I don't know if it's because of the 501c3 status or, or what it is, but they aren't talking about voting biblically. What is your message to some of those pastors or to those faith leaders that are really hiding behind the Bible? I, I think, you know, thank you uh, for asking that question, because uh, I will just give you uh, if you'll indulge me just a couple of sec minutes. Of course, here. yeah, we have all the time. Um, the, uh, one of the great uh, things that has happened to me is that many people may not realize that uh, until about a year ago, uh, I was paralyzed from the chest down. And uh, I had had an abscess form on my back uh, in my spine and had to be operated on and uh, severe damage to the nerves, of course, and uh, they had to lay open the spine. And, and uh, so for uh, about a year, I was paralyzed from the chest down. And then suddenly one day my toes started to move and then my legs started to move. And then the rest of the body healed, started to heal itself. And I'm still in the process. And um, but I understand that God's intervention here and this is because there is no medical precedent for what has happened to me. They cannot find one. There is no way to 
to find one where I I live totally independently by myself. And I, even though I'm in a wheelchair uh, a lot, uh, this is where I am. What I've learned in that process, though, is that it must be the intervention of God and the power of prayer that it put me on this road back to full recovery. This has instilled in me this notion, and I have this, this vision of the sword and buckler. If you read the Bible, you'll find that the sword, the buckler, the shield are mentioned over and over again, and particularly in Ezekiel and, and, and some of the prophets, because they talk about uh, the, this, the rescue of Israel and, and the redemption of Israel, and therefore the redemption of people. And what I find is that that maybe pastors don't want to stand up because they don't want to be branded as a radical uh, right-wing nut or, or whatever. I don't think if you stand up for God that you should be branded or feel that you should be branded as anything. You should be proud of it. You should step into it. You should own the fact that you are a warrior for God. And that's what you should do. You should stand up and be a warrior. Now, many people may do it their own way. Anna, you have a wonderful podcast. There are other there are pastors that some are, are uh, a little bit more persuasive, perhaps, and a little gentler. I'm not one of those. I'm one of those that steps into it. I believe that if you have an issue, you confront it and you go out and attack it. And I think that I wish there were more pastors and, frankly, more lay people that believe in God that would do that, because I think it, the, the country would be better off and would help restore this notion. And we should never be ashamed that we're Christians. We should never be ashamed. Think about that first century of Christianity. Think about it. Think about what happened to Paul and to Peter and to Stephen. And, and think about uh, where John was exiled to, to Patmos and he was there uh, and, and ended up writing Revelation. Think about all of the, the, the things that, have, that happened in the New Testament as fulfillment of what's in the Old Testament. Think about all of those things. And if a person is not invigorated with that, enervated with that, and is not given the courage to stand up and to step into these issues, then I don't know what. I think that if you do not have that courage, you better find it because you're not going to be there when the counting comes in. You're not going to be there. Well, that literally wraps up with such a strong message. Like literally, I don't know how you can say it any better. If God is with me, who can be against me, right? That's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Sam. I mean, where can, are you going to still be on the campaign trail? I think we're hearing chatter that, you know, President Trump is potentially running in 2024. We hope to see you there. Is that well, something you think you'll? <laughs> well, I, I, it would depend on what, uh, what he asked me to do and uh, the amount of travel and all of that. Uh, my wife uh, threatened me that if I ever got uh, uh, back in campaign mode again, that uh, uh, she would uh, make <laughs> sure that I, I got field dressed like a deer and thrown over the hood of her Jeep. So that would be, 
Yeah, that, that, and she, uh, I, I believe her. So. <laughs> well, we look forward to seeing what you do do. I know that you're probably not done with uh, doing anything political yet, or you're not you're definitely not done with the evangelical outreach. So we look forward to following you. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Anna. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Before we go, I want to thank Sam Clovis again for such a great interview. And I want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave us a review and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. To hear more of my episodes and get my weekly newsletter, go to Gingrich360.com slash Anna. And you can also find me on Parlor, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Getter at Real Anna Paulina. Special thank you to our producer, Drew Steele, writer Aaron Kliegman, and executive producers, Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival, presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean, Keith Urban, Jelly Roll, Old Dominion, Lady A. Riley Green, Ashley McBride, Brothers Osborne, Walker Hayes, all hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th, stream only on Hulu, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific.